Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. My name's Clay McCormick, and with me, as always, is Sean Murphy. How you doing, Sean? Good, man. I'm excited. Uh, I really, really liked one of these episodes. I, I agree. I also really <laughs> liked one of these episodes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as always, we're talking about two episodes of Batman the Animated Series, and uh, let's jump right into it. We're doing uh, the Worry Men and Sideshow. Which are the Worry Men is the final episode of the first 65 uh, episode, quote unquote, first season of uh, Batman the Animated Series. And Sideshow is the first episode of, quote unquote, season two. So we'll uh, take a quick break and then we'll come back with the Worry Men. The Worry Men, written by Paul Dini, directed by Frank Power. And in this one, wealthy socialite Veronica Vreeland returns from Central America, bringing tiny handmade dolls for all her friends. According to native legend, once placed under a pillow, the dolls do the sleepers worrying for them. Unknown to Veronica or her guests, each of the dolls was made by the Mad Hatter and contains a tiny microchip which plants hypnotic suggestions inside the sleeper's brains. And in this case, it causes them to uh, take a bunch of cash out and leave it for some uh, culturally inappropriate villains to steal. <laughs> you noticed that too, huh? Yeah, it's actually funny because I'm watching, you know, my first thing as I'm watching this was, it felt a lot like a uh, Fleischer Superman cartoon because <laughs> they do like a lot of that shit in those old cartoons. And so, you know, right. you'd have Superman in like the quote unquote jungle uh, fighting a lot of uh, questionable elements of the quote unquote jungle. Um, right. But what was kind of f- interesting is they if you if you want to be uh, what's the word I'm looking for, if you want to be uh, kinder to what they end up doing in this episode. It's kind of funny that the the Mad Hatter is essentially exploiting all of these rich people who are going on, you know, exotic vacations. Yeah. Um but it takes a long it takes a long time to get to that reveal. So for like the first 3 quarters of it it just feels like uh, you know, maybe a uh a a villain setup that is uh what's the word I'm looking for? Old-fashioned at best. Yeah, so I I couldn't. Was it clear if she went to the jungle, or the rainforest? Mm-hmm. Was it the African rainforest or the South American? South America. Okay, um, so that means the guys that they, uh, the Mad Hatter was using, were all Latino, African American. Sorry, one guy was. Okay, only so the shaman one of them was, was. Yes, the other guys were just what? Just uh, guys off the street from Gotham. Okay, I couldn't tell because I was watching and I'm thinking, is this racist that he's hijacking these people and putting them into like Tarzan outfits and making them do his bidding? Oh, I mean, it's not great, but <laughs> right. And then you have they they added in a uh, this African American character who was uh, Bruce's secretary and she's the one that like got him twenty million dollars and put it in a briefcase mm-hmm. and she was she has some funny one liners in there and I felt like maybe she was added to the script to make sure like see we're not really racist <laughs> yeah there's other kinds of people and got him too <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh 
it's a, it's an interesting choice because like I don't I don't think um, like I said once you get to see how this is playing out I it's hmm. I don't think it's racist on the part of the I don't think it's they're not using uh, South American culture as a as a full stop bad guy you know because mm-hmm. it's all a smokescreen by the Mad Hatter so if anything right. they're writing the Mad Hatter as racist and arguably right. they're also writing the rich people as racist. Um, right, but it kind it kind of takes a while to get there. So yeah, for the first for the first half of it, I'm going like, huh, yeah, this feels a little bit old fashioned. Yeah, like they have the jungle music when the guy shows up, and maybe that's why I was squirming. Was yeah, because I'm like, oh man, I hope this you know self corrects itself. Mm-hmm. And at the end, when you realize the shaman has been hijacked and he's kind enough, well, first of all, he's the one that ca- caught the Mad Hatter and made sure he got arrested and not beaten the shit out of by mm-hmm. the other two guys. They basically saved the day while Batman was had disappeared, or sorry, he was under the guillotine, right? Which I'm sure we'll get to in a bit. Yeah. Um, but he also decided not to press charges. He just wanted to go back to where he's from and continue to sell his wares. So I thought, like, oh, that's a very noble. That's kind of like the noble Indian type of trope, I guess. Mm, yeah. <laughs> a man of peace or whatever. Yeah, I I think you could argue that it is uh, subversively. Um making fun of uh these kind of racist tropes because you do have veronica vreeland who is this freewheeling rich socialite who went down to south america and bought these you know authentic worry men from this english white guy who was making them right. off the corner of the on the, of the road you know and then she's right. throwing this lavish party that you know if you threw this in college you'd probably get expelled today um and you know the mad hatter is is using these uh outdated tropes as a cover for what he's doing and all this kind of stuff um is it as clear and as biting as one you you would hope if they were doing that kind of thing no uh but i don't know i don't think you can i don't think you could say that's not not there i don't think it's it's not i i don't think this is a racist episode let's put it that way no i don't either i think you'd if you really wanted to attack it i think you'd have to really be reading into some stuff that's not there. Yeah, I, I think that the the it's mostly making fun of ignorant rich white. Exactly. People. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny because I I thought the shaman looked really great. He was actually one of my candidates for like the thing that I would want to draw oh, from this cool. episode. Yeah. Because I think you know the leopard skin or jaguar skin and the uh, you know I just don't I don't get to draw a lot of jungle stuff. So I thought it was he was pretty cool looking. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think what you said describes why i was slightly squirming and mm. i wasn't sure my liberal take i'm like all right how am i supposed to feel about this is yeah. this really problematic and it's funny you know i i don't really know why i don't love this episode because even when you described the pitch to me i thought oh that sounds cool you know you don't get to do a lot of south american st- stories that work in other cultures and bring it into gotham and i like the rich socialite thing i you know lavar burton is in it mm-hmm, and i mm-hmm. think paul dini wrote a good script i don't know why this has never stood out as a, a good episode to me yeah i think it's just kind of ultimately um it's not really a uh, it's not breaking any new ground story-wise you know it's 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 yeah. a Mad Hatter story with some extra flair thrown onto the end yeah. of it, you know? It's, it's villain of the week. He's just a one-dimensional villain. You know, honestly, his origin story had more depth than this. Right. This is sort of like an Adam West-style Batman again. Yeah. But I with mean, the TAS spin. The most interesting thing they do with him is that he's actually, at least he claims he's doing this because he's retiring. 
He's yeah. like, yeah, I'm actually, I'm not going to be a villain anymore. I just want a bunch of money so I can cash out. <laughs> I need to buy an island, and I'm so upset by how expensive islands right, are. Right, exactly. It's great It's great villain logic where he's like, you don't understand. I'm trying to do the right thing here. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, even, even uh, with that South American uh, uh, shaman villain guy, mm-hmm. even Batman's response when he sees him is not, his response is, there's some villain who's using South American uh, iconography as his thing. Like Batman doesn't, they don't have him jump to the conclusion that this is some guy from, this is a uh, a character from South America and this is like just yeah. what he looks like. It's like, no, it's some asshole using South American stuff as his villain thing. Right, yeah, yeah. What did you think of uh, LeBar Burton's role in it? Uh, it was surprisingly small. Um, yeah. He only had a couple lines. Uh, yeah. I think I'm surprised they didn't give him more to do. Uh, yeah. This is one where I, I was... He only goes... Uh, Batman only goes to, I think, Veronica once he figures out what's going on. I was surprised he doesn't go and talk to LeVar Burton's character. Yeah. Because that seems like, yeah. you know, you got a guest star, and mm-hmm. this guy actually went to jail because... Uh, which, you know... If you want to talk about, yeah, they never cleared that up. <laughs> if you they? want to talk about uh, potential racism baked into this episode, uh, the black guy goes to jail while all the other white people just go scot free. Apparently, um, but yeah, he never talks to him about what happened or what was going through his mind or anything. You know, it, it, I'm surprised they didn't do anything else with him. Right. It's funny when I saw this as a kid, I never it never struck me that Lavar Burton's character was black. Mm. because as a kid i didn't think lavar burton's voice sounded black now yeah i was a (laughs) dumb ignorant white kid in white new hampshire and i didn't know any black people but i just assumed you know um and uh now looking at it again and you know of course now i'm a huge uh tng fan and i like lavar burton of course i think it's great but at the same time like it does point out to me like how he has a very unique voice (laughs) he does yeah um I if you if you know his voice you pick it out at, immediately 100% yeah but yeah if I if I didn't well I guess it's obviously if you know a voice you're going to pick it out but if you don't know it you're not but I I know what you're saying like he doesn't have it's not particularly memorable unless in, unless right. you know the the person and the actor yeah 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 he has a sort of a more soprano-ish voice slightly higher pitched uh I'm sure he, I think he's a singer and trained Oh really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So something like that, yeah. I think he helped. He contributed to that album that uh, Brent Spiner put out called "Old Yellow Eyes." What? So, <laughs> did you know this? No, we're gonna so, we're gonna click did, the tracks over to the Penske file here for a second. <laughs> what are you so talking Brent about? Sp- Brent Spiner on TNG put together. Uh, he realized there's a lot of performers and singers uh, on, in the set in the crew. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, he and Worf and Picard and I think LeVar Burton, uh, Jordy, sang like in the style of uh, old blue eyes. Sure. Uh, but he called it old yellow eyes because yeah. Data has yellow eyes. And there is an album out there. I think you can just find it on YouTube where the four of them, and there might be some more of the cast in there as well, but they sing some songs. <laughs> if I, I'm going to look for that and I'm going to play a clip of it it's right here. To Be sure it's true when you say, I love you, darling. 
Because, because you know it's a terrible sin to tell a lie. So many, oh, so many hearts have been broken. And all because, because these words were spoken. I love you, yes I do. I love you. Hopefully I found it, and hopefully that was really interesting. <laughs> I thought I mentioned this on the Star Trek podcast. Maybe you did. Maybe you got, yeah, um, yeah uh, I think uh, the most interesting part of the... Uh, I think the most fun in this episode is when Batman finally confronts the Mad Hatter at the... I do love that he oh essentially God, yeah. goes to... Uh, what's the name of the place? I wrote it down. The Great Eastern Costume Company, where the which, Mad Hatter is hanging out. Yeah, which is where the uh, outfitter... Yes. This yeah. is totally an episode for the outfitter. Yeah, the brand manager, yeah. <laughs> brand manager. Um, yeah, that's definitely his his uh, his warehouse. When he, uh, yeah, he, he, I mean, uh, he, he should be all over that. The minute that warehouse went under, I mean, obviously, anytime any colorful storage facility of any kind gets abandoned, Batman should just put locks on all the doors. Oh, absolutely, it's going to attract a villain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably. I won't get into my plans for the brand manager, but I'll but, tell you. Yeah, what Brandon Brandanowitz, the brand Brand-Dan- manager, <laughs> <laughs> found it first. Um, but yeah, I I thought I thought that was that was funny that uh it, I it's it's a I it's an interesting leap in logic I think but you know you only have so much time and it's a kid show where Alfred is like it's a, it's a piece of fake fur <laughs> which means it could only have come from this one abandoned costume company. Oh man, and it's funny is like there's a, a Joker face Jack in the box and I'm like the brand manager could have sold that to Joker. There's oh yeah, a Harley Harley Quinn. Um, String puppet doll, I forget what you call those things. Marionette. Oh, Marionette, yep. Uh, he probably built that for Joker or Harley to use one day. Like, there's a lot of investment. Off- like, what else would those props be used for? Yeah, know? oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had that stuff in the works. It's like, yeah, the Joker orders this thing and he never comes and picks it up. I don't know. Cost me a lot of money. Um, yeah. I-, I had to make something. The Riddler shooting a gun. But the Riddler's never shot a gun. How am I supposed to work with this? <laughs> He doesn't even understand his own character. There's no puzzle based into bit built into this. It's just him with a gun. What, riddle me this asshole. When are you gonna pick it up? When are you gonna pay me? Um, but that that whole sequence I thought was a lot of fun. It, to jump to right to the stuff that I would draw, I would want to yeah. draw that sequence because that's definitely the kind of thing where, let's say you're a uh, a fill in artist on on a Batman comic, right? And you're like, oh, yeah. I can't wait to draw. I wonder what I'm gonna get to do. And then you start reading the script, and it's like, okay, uh, South American shaman villain. Not exactly ticking the boxes of my dream job here. And then eventually you get to this thing at the end where you ultimately get to draw every single Batman villain except in like this kind of weird kooky form. That would yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah, you could totally sell those pages, maybe even as a set. Oh, know? definitely. Yeah, yeah. I love the, uh, if I had to draw something, it would be when Batman stops the gelatine by yeah, kicking his legs up and that just was, slamming it. Like, that is a good fucking move, man. That you was really time cool. That just right. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was legitimately interested how he was going to get out of that situation. <laughs> <laughs> and he's holding it up there while the other guys are snapping out of it because Batman brought a, uh, you know, a garage door opener device. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Yeah, that that whole sequence was really a lot of fun. Uh, they do the old the old standby um, 
you know, uh, uh, Batman Batman fights a bunch of mannequins, and then he thinks that there's a, more mannequins, but it turns out to be the actual villains and stuff. That's, uh-huh. that's fun. Uh, yeah. You get some good, it's not fire-lit Batman, but you get that sort of Dimatap-colored lit Batman with the uh, the Harley <laughs> Quinn sequence, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, that's a, that, that sequence is, is, is really interesting. You know, it's... This is a very... Uh, for a Mad Hatter episode... I feel like the Mad Hatter is is kind of inconsequential to the story. Yeah. Aside from that little that little gimmick he's got there, it's not really a it, there's not really a lot of Mad Hatter in it. Really, it's just the the device, and that's kind of it. I mean, the fun parts are the uh, South American stuff at the beginning, and the mannequin and uh, marionette factory stuff at the end, which are all just sort of like you know the Mad Hatter is very peripheral with all that stuff. Right, like yeah, it could have it could have been the like the Joker. It could have been the Joker. It could have been the Riddler. You know, this I think there's a lot of villains who could have slotted in there. Yeah, do you? I mean, one thing I will say is um, I wish that Mad Hatter's plan was a little far fetched. I know this is fucking Mad Hatter, but if he really wanted to hijack the brains of rich people, why doesn't he just hijack the brain of a master thief and then send him to rich people's houses? to plant these devices under their pillows. Sure. It's just, I and mean, then, then you don't get the South American stuff. Then you don't get the, the shaman. Then you don't get, like, I get why, but yeah. it just seemed like a very roundabout way and unrealistic. <laughs> I mean, she, Veronica is going to hand these things out and people are going to throw them in the trash on the way out the door. That's how it would work. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Batman villains very rarely, uh, take the easiest route to whatever <laughs> their goal is. It's usually a very, uh, twisty, turny way to, for a fairly simple goal. <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um... Oh, shit, what the hell was I going to say? Uh, you going to ask about ratings? Yeah, I had something else I was going to talk about with this episode. I forgot. Oh, so this episode and the next one uh, do two interesting things where um, the amount of money being talked about does not seem equal to what it's presented as on screen. And so mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne in this episode has his uh, assistant or secretary cash out $20 million in cash to put into a briefcase that is like a normal-sized briefcase like my dad owned briefcase. Right. What yeah. is the What denomination of bill are, is in that where you can cover $20 million in like a, right. you know, uh, 11 by 17, 11 or, you know, 12 by 20 suitcase? Right. Well, be a. Is there a such thing as a thousand dollar bill? No, I think so. Right yeah. Is there? Is there? I think it's. If I'm looking it up, it says it's discontinued. Okay, so Batman must have had a bunch of uh, antique thousand dollar bills. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, apparently, once upon a time, I'm reading this off the internet as we go here. Uh, once upon a time, there were. They actually use that phrase. There were five hundred dollars, a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, and a hundred thousand dollar bills in circulation. Uh, so let's see. Hold on a second here. Uh, let's do a little quick math at calculator.com. Hundred thousand dollar bill. I got to see what this looks like. So if we did uh, twenty, one, two, three, one, two, three, twenty million divided by a hundred thousand. 
So you, if you, if they were a hundred thousand dollar bills, you'd only need two hundred of them. I should have been able to do that in my head, but I'm an artist, <laughs> which is why I went to art school. <laughs> yeah, I knew you wouldn't need that much, but uh, now I want to see who is on the one hundred thousand dollar bill. Things that you never thought we'd be talking about in this I know. podcast. It is apparently Woodrow Wilson. Oh, nice. And uh, apparently, t- unless is this is real, Teddy Roosevelt was on the ten thousand. I don't know. That, who knows any, if, if these are fake uh, or not? Mine says it was Elvis. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. R- yeah regardless, uh, so, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if you cashed out twenty million dollars in a hundred thousand dollar bills, that's just impractical. I mean, you can't really <laughs> take that to the store and buy groceries with it. Yeah, and then yeah. And a shaman running around with that kind of cash. I mean, obviously. Oh yeah, I mean, you can't just <laughs> can't just keep that in your shoe, you know. <laughs> but uh, um, what would you uh, rate this episode? Uh, this is a tough one. Because um, yeah, like you're saying, it's not bad. It's not. Uh, there's nothing bad about it. It's probably skews towards the good end, but it's just kind of unremarkable. Mm-hmm. So I think I would probably just go a three on this one. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. And uh, is what you would draw the uh, the South American villain guy? Uh, either him, or I'd like to do the sequence where Batman is in the guillotine, right, right, and right. it stops, and he kicks up and stops it. I think that was really cool. Even as a kid, I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, I I've never seen anything like that before. I've, I'm surprised, maybe because it's not practical in real life. I don't know. That's why they just don't do that. <laughs> yeah, stuff, or but... if you miss, you're going to lose your. Toes. Oh yeah, no. If you <laughs> if you overshoot that or like do it too early, you're just. <laughs> They're going to need like a couple bags to put you together yeah. when they take you out of there. It's, it's going to go one of three ways. Either you're going to stop it or you're going to be too slow and lose your head or you're going to cut your the back of your thighs somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you, depending on the length of the blade, no, yeah, you're probably still going to die. I was going to say like <laughs> if you kick your legs up over the part that's keeping your head down and the mm-hmm. blade is short enough theoretically if it cut through your no that wouldn't work either yeah you're still gonna die anyway <laughs> that's gonna do what i think this has the, been ways to defeat a guillotine with clay mccormick hey you know after we finish these episodes of for batman when we run out of episodes maybe that's the next uh, version of this podcast is i wonder if there's a villain called guillotine there has to oh, be there's gotta be right? yeah there has to be yeah <laughs> um yeah so that's gonna do it for the worry men we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with sideshow All right, we are back with Sideshow, mm. written by Michael Reeves, teleplay by Michael Reeves and Bern St- Bryn Stevens, directed by Boyd Kirkland. And this one, en route to an upstate prison, Killer Croc escapes and leads Batman on a dangerous chase through the wilderness. After throwing Batman temporarily off his trail, the reptile man takes refuge with a group of retired circus freaks and convinces them to help him. When Batman arrives, Croc and the freaks band together to capture him. Note, loosely based on a on a vow from the grave by Denny O'Neill. This episode mm. adapted the comic book story with the inclusion of a separate Killer Croc story. In that, in the original story, I believe it was a uh, it was not Killer Croc. It was a vision uh, a villain called named Kano Wiggins, who was a death row escapee. 
Okay. Yeah, and this, you know, as I said, this was the first episode of season two, and uh, and you know, the official season two, and to continue reading directly off of Wikipedia. I'll say, because of the success of the show is enjoying, while the 65 episodes of the first season were still airing, Fox Network executives ordered a second season of 20 more episodes. Season 2 featured Robin more prominently, and 9 out of the 20 episodes were given the on-screen title, The Adventures of Batman and Robin. We haven't made it to that point yet. Um, After airing 5 of the 20 episodes in May 1994, the network reduced the series to airing only weekly on Saturday mornings. Ten more episodes were broadcast in this format in September, November of 94 under the Adventures of Batman and Robin title. Once these 15 episodes had premiered, the final five were held back until September 95. The weekday slot was restored to include reruns of the entire series, with all previous episodes being shown under the new title for all remaining airings on Fox, as well as several VHS releases. The entirety of Season 2 was released on DVD as part of Batman the Animated Series Volume 3, Alongside the final nepo- nine, sorry, excuse me. Alongside the final nine episodes of season one. So we both watched. I watched them on Fox Twenty Five. Yeah, of me too. Yep. Yeah, and then they had the whole afternoon there. Um, I can't remember what this was lined up with, but like three thirty or four o'clock p.m. It was like Fox Twenty Five. Um, and I remember when I first saw this episode because I had watched every single one of them and I knew them all pretty well at that point. Mm-hmm. And I went over to my friend's house. His brother was watching Batman, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this series. And I'm like, wait, I've never seen this episode. And now it all makes sense because this was the first one that they released of season two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. I... I, um, I never knew that. I don't remember this one very well. I... It... Uh, yeah, I guess I... I, I, I kind of think I knew it existed, but I didn't remember it as I was watching it. These last two I, I don't remember seeing. Um yeah. But this and I uh, Saturday talking about Fox Twenty Five in Boston. Saturday was when I, I think, watched most of these, and it was there was a period of time. I think we've probably mentioned this before, where as a comic book fan, a young comic book fan on Fox, you had the Spider Man cartoon, the uh-huh. X Men cartoon, Batman uh-huh. the Animated Series, and uh, the Tick, all in That's some right. sort of rotation with each other, and it was amazing. And they- they had a graphic uh, that would play. It was like a two-hour spot. They would play four different shows, mm-hmm. but they were all superhero-based. And I remember the graphic Fox 25 used. It was like the big stacking blocks, Fox 25. And then you would see Batman walk across the bottom. And then you would see the tick like move underneath right. the F or something. Yeah, I do. I remember and, uh, that, yeah. Yeah, I thought, I mean, as a kid, I, was, I would get so excited for that. And then uh, it went to WB when they did mm-hmm. the third season of Batman and it became more of a Warner Brothers show which makes sense <laughs> yes yes uh yeah but there was a, there was a the glory days of of uh of comic book media in the 90s was not live action it was definitely animated and it was great because yeah. even that that spider-man <laughs> show was really good too i remembered really liking that show yeah that and i love the x-men stuff like yep. i learned most more about x-men from that than i did reading the comics oh absolutely yeah i think most people did yeah and it still has yeah. and it it's such a high mark too for a lot of even like ricardo our younger friends mm-hmm. um that was like his introduction into superhero cartoons, I guess. You know. Yeah, maybe when we finish Batman, we'll get into the uh, the X Men cartoon. I would love that actually. I was just thinking that would we be could pretty do, fun. Take, yeah. take a break and do like the best of X Men, but we should just do the whole thing. That would be pretty. Why fun. not do this for another ten years? Yeah, why not? seven, as you would say. Yeah, I well, we have to. I think we'd. I think we would owe it to to people listening to the Badass Podcast to make it through Batman Beyond first. But oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <I think laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the badass X-Men podcast. Um, but yeah, I uh, <laughs> not remembering this one and, and not even knowing if I had seen it. Man, great episode. <laughs> it's so different. Yeah. That's why I loved it. Like, I love nature stuff. Like, I would draw everything in this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love seeing Batman. It was like the, the fugitive in a way. Where yeah. They get off the train. They're they're both like not good at nature. It seems uh, they're both stumbling <laughs> over logs and rocks and fall. I mean, there's so many plummeting waterfalls and rivers in this. It's an amazing. It's like how Springfield in Simpsons happens to be right next to all these national parks that have different yes, know, temperature yes, yeah. zones. And <laughs> with the, uh, the I think it's the there's a point in the Simpsons where they 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 reach the uh the area where the five states touch each other and it's like california texas <laughs> wyoming yeah. and massachusetts or something like that alaska yeah <laughs> yeah it's whatever you need in your plot. exactly like yeah a, a one hour drive out of gotham yeah to, if you go if you go west in 20 minutes you're in the desert if you go east in 20 minutes you're at the ocean yeah right so when uh, I I really loved the sequential so storytelling as there's there's like a good five ten minutes of just a pursuit yeah um, there's eventually you get to the the characters that are the misfits from uh, the freak show mm-hmm. but there's a good sequence there's like there's no sound uh, sorry there's no speaking there's mm-hmm. no music it's just quietly Batman cr- crawling over logs and it's Croc and then it's Batman and they kind of fight fight a little bit and then they separate and then there's climbing over rocks <laughs> it's like I don't know if I would have spent that much time on it, but I really do enjoy it. Yeah, it's um, this episode. It's I. I was wondering. I couldn't find anything directly uh, in my very minimal research that I did. I was wondering if there was any sort of change in production company or anything with the new seasons because this doesn't look different really. But it's a. They definitely were pulling out the big guns. To, hmm. to do the art on this one because right. all of that nature stuff is so cool. It looks great. And yeah, it does it does look very different from from what yeah. you're used to in this show. And I was wondering, I was I, I was watching it and I, I was wondering if they were using the same method of the the uh, color on black. Yes. And it looks like I was they gonna are. say that. Yeah. Yeah. They so to remind people that haven't watched season one of this podcast, um <laughs> They used to take black construction paper and then airbrush on top of it. So every single background in Gotham had an inherent uh, black quality Mm -hmm. to underneath everything, which gave it this nice kind of chalky texture to which you probably noticed. Um, So for daylight scenes, you don't see a lot of daylight scenes in animated series. And this one takes place like 80% in the daylight. Um, And it's funny, uh, when they were starting to do the Superman cartoon after this, Superman doesn't take place in the darkness like Batman does. So they changed the way that they approached backgrounds for Superman. And I wish that they had not done that and given they basically used the approach that they used on this episode Mm. for all of Superman. But I don't know how labor intensive that would have been. Maybe that was just a no go. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, definitely. It definitely gives the uh, the nature stuff a very unique look because it is it is very bright, yeah. but it also gets very dark very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I uh, I loved the, um, the when they get to the freak show stuff. Uh, I thought that it gave that a really nice this idea that uh, Croc is an asshole. That's what this episode yes. really is about. Yes. Like yeah. he's irredeemable. He's selfish. He's stupid. Uh, and they're not trying to. They make they make no bones about it. Um, and at first, these misfits sort of embrace him because he lies to them and says that he is like them. 
And then, of course, by the end of the episode, they realize that he's just a, an asshole and they side with Batman to bring this guy in. Um, the one thing I would have done to make this even better would be when he lies to them, he tells them this story about how he was kept in a cage and mistreated and blah, blah, blah. So he doesn't tell them he was kept in prison right. because he's a criminal. But he, And I, I almost wondered if like part of that story he was telling was true. And it would have been interesting to see them try like a... I know a flashback is so overdone, but I'd like to see the sad story of Croc in a way, like maybe some context as to why he's such an asshole and seeing him in a cage as a freak, just like these people are, would have been the perfect place to get into it. Mm. And then you wouldn't have just had this guy who's sort of a a one dimensional, angry asshole character. Then he would have like some sad story that would connect him to these characters even more. Mm. Um, like I think this could have been potentially like a heart of ice level good if they had found a way to work in connect him to those um, circus freaks even more and show us exactly why it's so heartbreaking that he turned on them. Yeah, I was thinking something similar. Uh, it's funny. We, I think we were thinking similar things, but we went in different directions on how to get there because yeah. I was I was thinking I wish it was I wish it was a longer episode because uh-huh. I would like to have seen more of Croc living with those that group of people because i i'm not so much concerned with how he became to be to be an asshole but i was Uh really interested in what and in him possibly seeing that there is a different way of doing things and that maybe living with these people could bring him some sort of peace ultimately to reject that and the thing that i found so interesting about this episode is where batman when batman shows up because mm-hmm. I was thinking, you know, it's like, yeah, Croc is a is this irredeemable monster, and he's an asshole, and and it's it's kind of sad uh, the mm-hmm. way that they play him. But the the point where Batman shows up is a really crucial point for Croc in the story, because he is essentially at the pivot point of whether or not he's going to continue to be Killer Croc, the, the supervillain. Or if he's mm-hmm. going to give this a shot because he's just taken the money out of the thing and he's yeah. decided to put it back and to uh, to do something nice for these people. And I and I saw that as like, OK, he's it looks like he's starting to take a step in the different direction, but he's literally on the fence at this point. And so and that's when wait, Batman so shows up when he when he's robbing the safe and he's caught by the kid seal, mm-hmm. uh, he puts it back. But did he have the intention of doing something good for them i don't know that's the thing he right he he's right on the on that line of making a decision whether or not to be a bad guy or a good guy and then batman shows up and kind of makes the decision for him unfortunately you know what would have been good if they had if you don't want to do the idea i suggested to beef this up a bit more is as he pulls the safe out and sees the money he stops and he looks at all the posters of the freak show Mm. and you play some like really moving music and he has a moment where he realizes that this is wrong he shouldn't be robbing them he is one of them and he feels their pain and then batman shows up and he decides to become croc again right yeah yeah give him that pause where he's like i don't know is this a good idea look at these posters they were mistreated just like me oh shit the kid seal is coming oh man it's batman yeah (laughs) fuck i have to beat him up you know (laughs) yeah i i do like that you know this reminded me of that episode with the penguin where the penguin, uh, yeah, with Veronica Vreeland, yeah, where he decides he decides that he wants to go straight, but he's not actually putting a lot of effort in, so it's not going well, and he decides that everyone's out to get him. This is yeah. sort of like 
a different version of that where Croc has no intention of going straight, but right. he sees that it it could possibly be a way to go, but ultimately that's pulled away from him. And I feel I I find that really interesting character wise. Right. You know, another way I was thinking of playing this is uh, this would be riskier, but you started off as a, an episode that is about these misfits mm-hmm. and you show like a sepia tone flashback of them leaving the circus and how they were teased and rejected. And then you show them finding a spot in the woods where they can build a new life. And then you show them, you know, a year later or whatever. And then suddenly killer croc shows up and you're like, what the fuck? Mm. So you're introduced to killer. You're, he's just as startling as, uh, to the, to the characters as they are to the viewer. Yeah. And then suddenly you, you see, so you did, you do the whole episode from their point of view, basically. And it's kind of like a trial in a way because they don't know who Batman is. Sure. Batman dre- looks like a freak just like them. I mean, they're all kind of on equal footing at this point, you know? Yeah. No, I like that a lot, actually. Taking taking uh, Batman and Killer Croc <clears throat> out of their usual context and presenting them through the eyes of, yeah. of that group could be really interesting. Because, yeah, it, it then gives you Batman and Killer Croc free from any uh, preconceived yeah. notions about you know who's bad and who's good and x y and z right. yeah that's that's pretty interesting yeah 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 i just yeah either i mean the thing is like it's i i'm definitely giving this episode a four but i think about what it could have been if it was a five Same. and how many different yeah. ways they could yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> i think yeah. i do think the animation for this one is five level though because they do yeah like i it's you can tell it's so clear the episodes where they just put a little bit of back into it and yeah because they do these really interesting uh, animation animated moves that they don't do in a lot of these other episodes. Like the, there's yeah. close up animation on Killer Croc is is unbelievable. Like when he's yeah on the train and he like lunges towards Batman and they do that sort of like uh, you know forty five degree camera pan past his face and you get right. that really great detail on the face moving by. It's a really, really anime kind yeah. of shot. Even a close up of him looking at the camera, they had like it was almost like um uh ninja scroll style where yeah. they had scratches scratches on his nose and they animated every scratch as he was walking and it, yeah, they definitely put some extra oomph into this one. Yeah, there's a great shot later when uh Batman pole vaults from the ground up onto a ledge and it's yeah. like a low floor angle shot where you see the tip of the pole go into the floorboard bend and just launch batman from the background into the foreground it's really really cool it's not the kind of it's not the kind of uh, animation you'd see in an episode about like the rat king or something you know (laughs) unfortunately yeah (laughs) what oh yeah sorry i was thinking of the uh the underdwellers episode um oh yeah where this guy because that episode was really well animated, but the story was just Oh, that's bad. right. Yeah, I guess that's... <laughs> yeah, so I guess they do bring it out for weird episodes sometimes. Yeah, weirdly, yeah. Yeah. This time they used it for good, though, so I was happy to see that. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, I, it's just such a, a different feel of an episode. It's uh, a fairly light on Batman, but you don't really feel it because yeah. the use of him is actually really great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I also love the staging for the fight scenes. Oh, um, man, yeah. You have the, this cabin in the woods that also has a water wheel on it. And so, you know, the water's been set up already by all these waterfalls and rivers from the first scene. Um, so Batman is, like, underwater. And I love how he beats... Batman always beats people using the stuff that they like to use. Mm-hmm. So Croc is all, all about water at this time. So Batman sort of beats him using the water. Um, 
And uh, he actually is able to grab the water wheel from underwater, pull himself up, and then Croc like chases after him, but he ends up in front of him, and then he gets crushed by the water wheel, pinning him against the top yeah. of the building. And he goes through, bam, they go back down into the water. Like It's so crystal clear. And uh, it's setting stuff up like that takes planning, and uh, it's just something that people don't usually appreciate about these episodes. Yeah, um, that water wheel fight was so cool. Like, that was... yeah. That's a playset. If they yeah. sold that as a kid, I would have wanted that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a setting for a fight that uh, I, I feel like only you only get every now and then from this show. They do a lot of really cool um, location fights in this show, but it's not ever. It's not all the time. Like I'm thinking of the planetarium fight uh, among among <laughs> oh, the yeah. swinging uh, planets and stuff yeah. is really cool. Every now and then they do this really great set piece, and I thought this was a really really good one. Yeah, <laughs> um, my uh, I was watching this one with my girlfriend, and uh, she was very very concerned about how much damage was being done to the sideshow people's home uh, because they are so they are so empathetic and they have built this life for themselves. And then Batman shows up and basically destroys their house. <laughs> yeah, and when it was Good over, job, when it was over, she said, "I was kind of hoping they would have some sort of shot, maybe where they showed they were rebuilding their home." <laughs> But I mean, I think that's kind of sort of what you're talking about as far as like how you view these characters and, and through what lens. Because if you if you're viewing this altercation with Batman and Killer Croc through the eyes of these sideshow people, yeah, they're gonna yeah. be pretty disappointed that this this guy just showed up and destroyed yeah. their house. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh man, did, what did uh you think of the the resolution when uh? They're Croc's final words before they fly him away. Uh, they're putting him behind a, a face. They put a cage over his head so he can't break out again. Mm-hmm. He's basically like, um, uh, who's the character from that movie? Oh, uh, Hannibal Lecter? Yeah, yeah, thank you. And uh, the kid is like, why, Croc? Why'd you do it? And he's like, well, you said this was a place where you could be yourself. So I guess that's what I was doing, being mm. myself. Mm. And then they fly him off. And you see Batman standing by a bush in the woods or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's. And I thought, eh, that's all right. I could have used a night a better uh, book uh, bookend there. Yeah, I guess it is kind of sad though, because he's, you know, it does. He is. That would have uh, been better though if they had set it up the way we were talking about yeah. earlier. That line would have had more more oomph to it. I think so too. Yeah, I, I think you don't get enough enough with Croc and 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 the the sideshow people. Uh, yeah. To have that line really have the amount of pathos that they want it to. Right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I would have done differently there. Well, was Croc from? I know. I forget how he was set up in the first time we saw him. But was he? Did they give him a backstory of being a wrestler? Um, or was he a sideshow? Was he always like a freak show type of character? He was. Because uh, it occurs to me it would be weird yeah, if both him and Bane had the same. No, I. Thing. I don't think he's a wrestler. Um. I, I don't really remember if they give him uh, much of a backstory. Uh, you should, yeah. If if anyone wants to know, they're welcome to go back and listen to the first episode that we did. Oh, no, you're right. I'm sorry. I just found it. Um, in, he was a former pro wrestler who turned to crime. Bane, Bane yeah. in, the, in the cartoon is not portrayed as a wrestler. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's just an assassin. I think the, the wrestling aspect to Bane has been placed on him retroactively. But he uh-huh. was he was never uh, originally conceived as like a wrestler. Yeah, I guess it was the uh, 
Mucho Libre type of mask that made me think that. Yeah, that's uh, that seems to where the be that seems to be where the jumping off point for that has come <laughs> yeah. from. Where it's like, oh yeah, this guy he wears a Lucha Libre mask, but he's not doesn't do any wrestling <laughs> stuff. Maybe we should do some wrestling stuff with him. He looks like a wrestler. He does. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why they didn't do that. Uses steroids <laughs> like it. Well, I don't want to generalize. But... <laughs> Wait, when are you going to start your wrestling podcast, Clay? Ah, uh, well. No, there's I, the world does not need another wrestling podcast from a guy like me. <laughs> you can talk about how you went to wrestling camp. I did. It was so much fun. We can. We'll, <laughs> I wish I had. T- I should have talked about that in the episode with with when they actually had wrestling in the show. Um, I'm sure there'll be other opportunities. Yeah, I hope so. But uh, yeah, if, overall, if you uh, write some White Knight and you do a wrestling spin on a character, then we can talk about it then. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, overall, I thought this was, uh, you know, I, it's too bad that they didn't have that little extra oomph because it's like right on the edge of being a, yeah. uh, an all-timer. I think this is definitely one that I would recommend to people. Yeah. Um, do you have uh, something that you would draw? You said you'd draw the, the wilderness stuff. God, dude, I would draw everything. Yeah. I mean, from I love drawing nature. I love drawing Batman falling from huge heights, like from a into a river. Mm-hmm. The train at the beginning and the freak show and like the posters they have like this I, there's not a single thing i would not want to draw in this honestly there was a shot when um when batman is on like a ledge that starts to crumble and he falls and he's got to shoot the the grappling hook up among the falling yeah. rocks there was a second yeah. where i was like did they do this specifically to look like a wily e. coyote cartoon because there <laughs> th- there was the uh, one shot in there where i was like that feels like a uh, like a uh, wily e. coyote shot yeah yeah, I mean, especially when you're in Warner Brothers animation. Yeah. The thought has to enter your mind. Yeah, and huh, you know, I feel those like guys, I've done this before. Those guys worked on Tiny Toons, so I'm sure it wasn't, if that's the case, it was not an, not unintentional. Um, Did you see the uh, Acme sign in the bushes yeah. in that shot? <laughs> well, it's uh, the way that he ends up killing, he, catching Croc, obviously, is he, is he paints a, a tunnel onto the side of a mountain, <laughs> and Croc just runs right into it. He paints a picture of Batman on a rock, and Croc lunges at it and knocks himself yeah, out. Yeah, there you go. You know what? That would probably work, honestly, the way that they play Croc in this show sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he's such a fucking idiot. Yeah. He's, uh, he's actually... I don't know why they... Sorry. I was just going to say, he's actually not dumb in this episode, really. He's... the uh, Almost Gotham seems to be the outlier so far as to the how they treat the intelligence level of Killer Croc. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's not, well, he's not on... Einstein, but he's, he's, not, he's not a total idiot. Later on, they give him a relationship with Baby Doll. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. And uh, he seems to be a bit more intelligent. You know, and honestly, and we'll talk about this for that episode, I don't know why they changed his design. Not only his design for season four, we'll call it, mm-hmm. but also the voice for him as well. Oh, really? Because I thought that this this version of, of Croc, I, I think it's designed by Kevin Nolan. Um, it's, he has it the Kevin Nolan like yeah. slopey shoulders to him, yeah. and uh, I thought the design was great. And I don't know why they needed to redo it to make him more of a green alligator. Yeah, I don't. You know, some of those designs, and uh, uh, you know, we can we'll talk about it when when it happens in the show. But some of those designs, I think, are are uh, a downgrade, and I think Croc is probably one of them. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, I have a lot of opinions on those. I'm looking forward <laughs> to getting to that that season. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I would I think I'm right there with you. I think drawing Batman in the wilderness is just really unique and something you don't really see very often i don't think i would want to draw as cool as it is to watch i don't think i would want to draw the uh water wheel fight just Uh because figuring out how to stage that 
and then draw yeah. it seems like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. I I would love love to do that. Oh, I know you I, would. Yes. I like working with ellipses. Yeah. And that is like the ultimate ellipse. <laughs> yeah, I would I would I would be like, how many times can I shoot this straight on so I just do a circle? <laughs> Um, do you enjoy drawing like, um, the freak show circus posters at all? Is that your thing? Uh, I've never actually done it, but I do enjoy that kind of style of stuff. I think those guys would be, those characters would be a lot of fun to play around with design wise. Um, and I mean that, that seal boy, he was, Uh what a great character. He's just so cute and pathetic. And I, and I mean that in a good way. And, yeah, you know, and a nice that, anime look to his face. Yeah, he's got he's very much got like a tiny Tim kind of feel to him. He's, he's very easy <laughs> totally. to care about. Yeah, those are all great characters. I thought they were. Uh, they don't. There's yeah. not a lot to them. They don't really do much, but the, they serve their purpose very well. Right. Yeah, I like how also uh, Croc is immediately he's friendly to all of them except for the guy that's bigger than. Yes. Him. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love the Siamese twins. Um, is that the correct way to refer to them? It, uh, it's the way they're so. referred to in the show. So okay, I think okay. the the, um, the politically correct way, I believe, is conjoined twins. Okay, conjoined twins. Uh, they always had them um, cast against a black background, so you couldn't quite see where they were joined, if their arms were connected or if their hips or ribs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was. It seemed pretty evident that they were trying not to focus too much on how they were connected. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the little kid was great, and I love the uh, the the leader. I forget his name. Richard. Richard. Yep. After oh yeah, the love Shakespeare Richard guy. Richard III. Yeah, I do. I do feel like they kind of, uh, you know, they kind of uh, maybe ran out of gas with him a little bit. <laughs> the other guys are really interesting, and then it's like, oh, this guy is tiny in the hunchback, and he speaks in Shakespeare quotes. Yeah. It's like, eh, I don't know. You know I think he could have did something more me, interesting. The Ninja Turtles are the same way. You know, Leonardo is the most boring to me. Mm-hmm. He's like Superman of the Avenger or you know, JLA. He's just like, yeah, I'm the leader. That's my that's my skill. Yeah, right. <laughs> I yeah, don't really have a horse in the game. Yeah, Leonardo doesn't really have much of a, at least the way that I remember, doesn't have much of a character compared to the rest of them. No, does he? he's boring, middle of the road, hold the team together type of guy. And uh, he, Raphael is a badass. You know, Michelangelo is awesome, and Raph, you know, Donatello being smart. They all have their cool things. And uh, Leonardo is like the, the suck up to Splinter, basically. Yeah, you know, not to go on a on a tangent about the Ninja Turtles, but <laughs> the original Ninja Turtles movie came out thirty years ago this year. Wow! Yeah, and uh, I still to this day uh, am annoyed that the song "Turtle Power," you know, the the rap mm-hmm. that they do over the end credits refer to Raphael as the leader of the Ninja Turtles because everybody knows the leader of the Ninja Turtles is Leonardo. Everybody. It's like the first thing that you learn. Well, uh, Splinter is their leader and Raphael is like, sorry, Leonardo is like his number one. Yeah, he's like the field field commander. But if you you were talking about the four, the core four, Leonardo's the guy making the decisions. It's not Raphael. But I do like the idea of Splinter being like a spiritual guide in some way, and maybe the turtles are led by Leonardo. Yeah. That movie, uh, A, is way better than it has any right to be still. Like, it it, yeah. it looks amazing. And yeah. uh, B, gets really weird towards the end when they have that scene where they all meditate and then Splinter shows up as a force ghost. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's a yeah. weird movie. <laughs> But you know, as a kid, I found that really moving, especially when you oh, saw totally. them yeah. crying. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you know, honestly, that's a good... Uh, if you do a podcast for Patreon or whatever, I'd definitely bring me in on that one. Yeah, that would be fun. I'll have to throw that at Wes. That would be a fun one to do. Yeah. Um, it's always fun listening to... Uh, uh, they've been doing all those, like, because of the quarantine and whatnot, they've been doing a lot of those, like, cast reunion zoom shows and stuff and they did one for ninja turtles the movie and so they had the cast members as well as the guys who were inside the suits and the uh uh, brian henson and a couple of the henson people who were talking about that stuff was really interesting because did they have Corey feldman there no they did not have Corey feldman unfortunately (laughs) i was like is he still alive he is yes okay he's definitely living too busy to be uh, he's living on on some plane of existence that's for sure (laughs) maybe he bought an island like um the Mad Hatter wanted to do. Yeah, that's very possible. Uh, <laughs> but hearing the the Henson guys talk about the the Ninja Turtle stuff is really interesting um, because I feel like that's that's a movie that kind of gets forgotten. That was a Henson production, or right. or was so uh, Henson uh, used used their stuff so heavily because it's yeah. not like Muppets and it's or puppets and stuff. Yeah, it, it's funny because to me. It's very clearly Henson, but yeah. I grew up with that movie, right. and I'm, I love behind-the-scenes stuff. So to you and me, it's black and white. But yeah, I can see why anybody looking back would that would skip. They would yeah, they would forget that. Yeah, they. Uh, one of the stunt guys told a, a story where he said, when they were working up the costume, there was a very specific set of movements that he had to be able to do. That was like the 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 check mark to see whether or not the costume worked, and he had mm-hmm. to be able to do a front flip into a somersault and then jump through a manhole. And there was a, they were working on the costume, and they got to a certain point where this guy managed to do that. And they were like, "All right, we got it. Moving on." Hey, someone help me out of yeah. here! <laughs> they put the lid back on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's for a different. I would show, love to see the uh, the outtakes of that of that movie or that the the, the B roll. I think that'd be that'd be hilarious. Yeah. I, I the other thing, the other the the other <laughs> trivia is. Uh, <laughs> I think they had Sorry. to. No, imagine like the first one is like, all right, knock, 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 Raphael, ready for you. Okay, he opens the door, rip, fuck, you know, bloop, next one. All right, here we go. Where is it? Over by the manhole? And he turns his head, rip, whoops, bloop. Yeah. You know, and they get closer and closer to actually do. I wonder, yeah, I can see that playing out. I wonder if they have any of that footage. Like, uh, have you seen the footage from Star Wars where they haven't dubbed in James Earl Jones's voice? over uh, uh vader yeah, I have. so yeah. you instead of that booming voice you just hear uh bring me the passengers i want them alive and it's not <laughs> it's not quite as effective i can see How? why people How watching the I, I can see why people seeing the dailies from that movie must have been like what the hell is going on <laughs> we're gonna lose our shirts yes. this. this is a terrible <laughs> idea oh god i'm so sorry alec mcginnis that we wasted your time oh i'm sure he yeah i'm sure that's I mean, I know for a fact he thought this, but that's definitely like you're on set with that thing going like, I was Lawrence of Arabia. What the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> you want me to whack this giant robot with this stick? Okay. All right. There's going to be a light on it? Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Whatever Is this guy. what kids want to see? Sure, sure. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> did uh did the Chewbacca have to talk at all before I, they dubbed him? I think there is also footage of that too. So I think right. you can find footage of scenes with Han and Chewie where where Peter Mayhew is just saying stuff in English. Yeah. And so it is also weird seeing Chewbacca instead of the the Chewbacca right. noise, you're hearing him just this like English voice, kind right. kind English you're hearing voice. Hearing like a like, hey over here, there's a couple of seats by the bar. Yeah. Let's sit down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and like that doesn't sound scary. No, no. 
Um, I don't know. I think he's, he's got a gun pointed at you. Oh, oh, <laughs> you killed him first. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, version one of Chewbacca was going to suck. Yeah. I, yeah. At what point? Yeah, that would be funny if at what if if they were originally planning on using that voice and then George Lucas was just like, maybe we just have him sound like a dog because none of this works. <laughs> what about Vader? Should he still be like Alfred and like, yeah, let's make him black. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is LeVar Burton around now? No. Okay, well, I guess we'll have to use James Earl Jones. <laughs> uh, have you? Oh, speaking of that. Again, was this Tangent City here? Have you seen the, the the YouTube video where they overdub other James Earl Jones parts onto Darth Vader? And it's it's a no. it's a lot more. Um, how do I put this? A lot more ag- aggressive dialogue from James Earl Jones. It's it's really really funny. They didn't use anything from the Sandlot. Oh man, <laughs> they might have. I don't know where else it's all from, but it's worth it's worth a listen. Yeah, that sounds like the kind of pandemic type of TV fill-in that we should be watching, honestly. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure the st- the stocks on YouTube have gone through the roof since this stuff started. Oh, insane, man! Honestly, um, I didn't even tried, know. It's... I didn't even know what Zoom was until this yeah. all started. So, yeah, I buying stock in Zoom would have been good. <laughs> buying stock in uh, Home Depot would have been good. Uh, we bought into Royal Caribbean, which has gone up. Carnival, oh yeah, which, you know. I don't think anyone should ever be on a cruise like that, but you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. 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 Stuff like that. Anyway, this is not about stock tips. It's about Batman. Correct. Um, so you're saying that, uh, I think we're both in agreement that this is a four. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it so badly wants to be a five, but it just, <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't quite, quite get there. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to do it. I think for uh, uh worry man and sideshow, um, next time, let me look it up real quick here. Next time we've got uh, a bullet for Bullock and Trial. Ooh, ooh, is nice. Trial? Oh man, yeah. Oh, Trial. Ooh, Trial's a cool one. I remember that one being pretty good. Trial is where I watched it uh, after I'd done White Knight, and I was like, oh my god, I've lifted subconsciously so many things <laughs> from this episode like jesus christ people are accusing me of uh fan fiction batman and like it's all in this one episode <laughs> yeah yeah well you know we'll we'll uh we'll put you on trial next time yeah. as okay. we break down a bullet for bullock and trial and if uh if you guys like the show if you want to give us a rating review on itunes that would be great uh you can find us if you if you want to talk to us shoot us a question or something we're on twitter at Batass Podcast, B-A-T-T-A-S-S Podcast, or uh, you can shoot us an email, uh, thebadasspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you, guys. Thanks for coming on, Sean, as always. Yep, thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Always, always a pleasure. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Yep, take care. Take care.